All right. Good morning, family. I, I love being here um, because Chili is here. And I love, I love Chili. Uh, and there's so much love and family here, too. Uh, thank you, Steve, for having me. Um, I am uh, one-fifth of the Aguayas, um, the bottom tier fifth, uh, the, the, the free trial of the Aguayas almost. Um, we were all supposed to come. Hannah's fine. Our daughter, Layla, is, uh, she had a pretty bad allergic reaction to some medication. So keep her in her prayers. Um, she seems to be a lot better today than she was yesterday, but we just felt it was a good idea to keep her um, in the house. Uh, so, so yeah, Hannah and I serve in Harlem, and we just, I mean, if, I wish she was here. We could just both say how grateful we are for, 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 for this uh, group, this family right here. So thank you guys for your love. And um, I'm excited to share some thoughts. Uh, that's really just like a, a, a buffer between this and, and Chile. So, uh, so a, a couple months ago, I had one of those situations where I had to run multiple errands at the same time. Um, I had to get supplies from Home Depot and get groceries and get the house ready. It was actually far back enough that it was, it was snowing that day and we were expecting company. And you know when you try and like, do a lot at once to make things go faster, but it actually just makes everything go exactly. Um, so that's me. And now I'm in the grocery store, which should be the last step of, of my errands. And I do that like, where's my wallet, Pat, um, at the, at the checkout, uh, checkout line, and I can't find my wallet. Um, and now I'm thinking, well, that means my license, all of my, my cards, um, it was just my birthday and I, I never carry cash, but I had just taken out all the cash from the birthday cards that I got. That's in the wallet as well. And that is just like kind of this like just frustrating, I can't pay for the stuff and I lost, and I'm gonna have to do the whole process of, of getting, the, getting a, a license resent to me. It's just, I'm going through all of the worst case scenarios. But then I think, let me just go back to Home Depot really quick and see if maybe, because I used it there, maybe I, I left it somewhere there. And as soon as I walked in the, 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 the gate, the doors, customer service said, hey, sir, is this your wallet? And it's just, you know, like, it's one of those, God is good all the time. <laughs> I'm, you know, blessed and highly favored. I just believe everything about the Bible, just in, in, that, in that moment. Uh, and like, yes, it's my wallet, thank you very much. Get the wallet, get in my car, and I noticed that the cash had been removed. So whoever found it, uh, opened it, I guess paid themselves shipping and handling, and then <laughs> returned the wallet. And to be honest, I kind of understand like the, the street justice about why you take the money, but I was honestly just so like grateful to not have to do the process of canceling all my cards. And so I was, I, I found the wallet some, I'm sorry, someone found the wallet. I was able to get my stuff back and the cash, not that big of a deal compared to how great it was to have lost this thing and now found, found it. Now, what if I told you that actually when I sat down and opened the wallet, not only was all of my cash there, but there was more cash in there than when I left it. And not only was my license and all, but they'd actually renewed my driver's license. <laughs> 
signed on to all my debit cards, increased money in my checking and saving, paid off all my credit cards. What if I told you that that's that, that, they, that whoever found this wallet just multiplied whatever was inside and, and paid off all the debts. That would be not how we understand life or, or, or money or any of those things. But then what have I said? That's exactly what happens when Jesus finds us. That when Jesus finds you, he puts more into your life. He, he pays off the weight of your sin and erases the debt and subsequent interest of all of your guilt and shame, no matter the condition that he finds us in, when Jesus finds us, he doesn't just return us in the same way that he found us, he increases and multiplies what we have, what we are, and what we will become. In Luke 8, we get a, a powerful testimony of a man that was lost and found by Jesus, but not just returned to his regular life, but Jesus multiplies the blessings in this man's life. So turn with me with, uh, to Luke 8, we're going to read in verse 26. Luke 8, 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across from the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but lived among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times he had seized them, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by demons into solitary places. Let's, let's stop here for a second. So Jesus here steps off a boat, not from a smooth fishing trip with some friends. He, he's, he's stepping off the boat after just telling the storm to be quiet and the waves to relax. And both the wind and the water said, yes, sir, Jesus, sir. So just so, so right here, he has just displayed control over wild nature, something that is a God attribute. In Psalm 65, it says, you still the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves. In Psalm 89, it says, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Jeremiah 10, 13 says, when he thunders, the water and the heavens roar. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. Controlling nature is a God thing. And here Jesus is proving that he is as well. But sometimes I can have all the faith in the world that God has the power to perform miracles around me, but I doubt his ability to perform miracles about me that I can share for hours about how I know that God is real based on what I've seen and heard. But if I'm honest about my own personal faith in God's ability to transform my life, my marriage, my parenting, my issues and my baggage, all of a sudden that faith is not as strong. He can tame the storms, but I'm not sure if he can tame my temper. He can quiet the wind, but I'm not sure if he can quiet my worry. He controls the tide, but God, I am tired and I don't know if you can use me. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus goes directly from doing the incredible to doing the individual in this, in this uh, interaction. Also, I think that the, 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 the location of this, of this story is very important as well. The town that Jesus has arrived in was home to a lot of Gentiles, people that, that uh, did not have ancestry to Abraham, um, people that the Jews, who Jesus would, was, would, uh, would have seen as unworthy to receive the fullness of the blessings from God. Jesus should not be hanging around in this place. On top of that, 
the scene takes place in a cemetery, a place that, that Jews would have, been tried to, would have tried to avoid at all costs because it was seen as unclean. And the only way to be cleansed after this kind of proximity to death would be a long process and involved going to see the priests. And it's too much, too much stuff, too much work, too much inconvenience. Um, but we see that Jesus looked past this man's baggage to get him to his blessing. He was willing to enter the space of the impure and the dead and the unclean to bring healing into this man's life. This is our Jesus, a savior who is not afraid to get his hands dirty to bring us hope. And if we are living like him, we also can't wait for the scheduled and the convenient and the parceled and the comfortable times to serve those that are in need. Um, I remember one time when I was in the um, campus ministry in Baltimore, my friend and I were studying the Bible with, with a young man, and he, he actually brought a friend along with him as well. And he asked, they asked us to meet them at uh, like, the, like a, almost a boarded off section of a mall that was about to close down. So it was not, not, not the most, it wasn't a Starbucks in a nice neighborhood. It was like, like, like a, rough, a rough spot. And the whole time we're doing the study, the, both of these guys are kind of looking over our shoulder, looking around, um, and towards the end, they were a, a lot more in, um, uh, uh, involved and engaged. And then when we were done, they said, you know, we're, we're gonna be completely honest. Our plan was to rob you today. Um, we both have knives on us, and we were gonna wait for like whatever spiel you had, and then we were gonna rob you um, because we, we need the money. Um, so my friend uh, Sean and I, we actually went, went to an ATM, uh, get, uh, you know, take out some cash for them. Um, but that, that was their life. Their life was, if we, don't, if we don't threaten to hurt people for money, our younger siblings at home won't, won't eat. And I remember talking about this to, uh, to someone uh, later on, and they kept talking about how unwise that situation was for us to be in. And, and it just, I don't know, I think it's, it's interesting how we can rebrand wisdom to be something that's very self-protective and, and very like, like how, how can I make sure that, that I'm okay? But, but Jesus here, the creator of wisdom, was very okay with putting himself in an uncomfortable, inconvenient situation to help someone that, 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 was, that was very challenged. These two guys that, that we studied the Bible with, they came out to services, they studied the Bible for, for a couple of months, they, they stopped coming down the line, but my hope was that that little, that, that little bit that they got was able to change some trajectory in, in their lives. But like, was it scary? Absolutely. We, we met with them in that same place the following week. But like, was it risky? Of course, but these boys, were clearly troubled um, and we had to make the decision of, okay, well, we can, we can claim wisdom and say they're not open because they tried to rob us or we can see that as, as a desperate plea for, for, for people that carry the gospel to bring and, and, and help, help their lives. What we see here is Jesus not waiting for things to be easy. He, go, he goes to the place that people were actively trying to avoid to help people in need. And those that claim to live like him must imitate that as well. Um, in verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And we're, we're around the corner from, from Halloween here. I think it's, it's a very fitting passage. This, this has to be one of the most scariest responses in the Bible. Many demons, Jesus. You know, my wife Hannah was, was away for a couple of nights for a friend's wedding. 
and I had to take care of many children. And it was a, it was a hurricane in, in our home. And that was a scary situation. There was many children. Now we're talking about many demons. But here, here's the thing. As scary as the idea of multiple demons possessing a man is, look at who's afraid in this interaction. It's not Jesus. It's the demons. In verse 31, they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. The demons underst understand who Jesus was and what Jesus was capable of doing. The demons had a faith and full assurance that Jesus was the Messiah and was God and was all-powerful and had authority over them even though they were rebellious to God's will. The demons were going to obey whatever Jesus said uh, because they knew that at the end of the day, whatever the situation at hand is, Jesus has the final say. So I have to ask myself this question. Are the demons in a better place spiritually than me? When it comes to being fully subservient to the will of God, and the, the, these beings that were, that were fully living in, in, in opposition to his will, they said, if Jesus says I have to do this, I'm going to do it, no questions asked. So I do have to take a look at my life and ask, do I need to learn from the demons here who were, who were going to listen to whatever Jesus said? I think in my comfort in my Christianity, I can figure out a way to bypass what God wants me to do. I'll, I'll, I'll word it differently. I'll, I'll, I'll do something else instead. But look at the demons here. The, the bad guys of the story, they say, Jesus, whatever you tell us to do, we understand that because you are in charge of everything, we have to obey. So I have to take a hard, hard look at my life and make sure that I'm, I'm equally, at least equally, uh, on the same page as them. And here's the other side. If you're here today unsure if God can help bring you out of the problem you are currently in, the problem you are in today fears God. Your anxiety fears the God who is and gives a spirit of power and confidence. Your financial struggle fears the God who can give abundantly more than we can hope for or imagine on a level so much greater than, than money and material accumulation. Your doubt fears the God that can do all things. Your problem fears the power of Jesus. The demons took one look at Jesus and did not want any smoke. Ryan Irby, that means they did not want any problems. Um, that's what that means, just in case. I got you. Maybe you have a lot of problems in your life right now. And I'm not telling you to ignore them or minimize them or, or the work that, that's needed to solve them, but I am saying when you place your great problem beside the great provider, it becomes very obvious who should be afraid in that situation. And it's never the provider. It's never us when we place the problem next to the problem solver. Jesus says, cast your anxiety on me. Don't worry. Instead, prayer, uh, pray and petition. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says this because he knows what he can do. And maybe even more importantly, he knows what we can't. And because of that, we should have no problems bringing our problems to Jesus. I, uh, my friend and I were just talking about this. I think it's, it's one of our, our, church, our churchisms when we say we're coming here to worship, so what, all, all, your, all your challenges from the week, leave them at the door and come here and just... But the problem with that is that you got to go back home 
after this, and you're, you left them in a very nice, organized, you know, you have to go pick the problems up when you leave here. What if, what if we're actually supposed to bring all of those here? Bring all of the challenges, all of the worry, all of the, all the insecurities, bring them into and sing, sing, knowing that you have those, those problems back, back at home. Pray, knowing that it's, it's, it's not easy, you're, the, the situation that you're in. Sit down and look at God's word, fully aware that you can't just leave here and things are peachy after this. What if we're supposed to bring all of this here just so we can intimidate our problems with how great our, our, our God is? Verse 32. In verse 32, it says, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Uh, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. He was healed. He was in his right mind. They, they knew who this guy was. They knew what his life was like before. And they saw him fixed. But that confused and worried people. And it made people afraid of Jesus' presence. There's a couple of things, you know, a couple of reasons why, why this could be the case. Um, but I think the one that sticks out the most for me and how I, I think it, it applies to today is that sometimes... It looks crazy to do what Jesus calls you to do. Um, does it look crazy to forgive fully from the heart and not hold grudges, even when no apology is presented? Absolutely. Does it look crazy to be fully committed to the fidelity of your marriage, even as far as monitoring your own thoughts? Absolutely. Is it crazy to not chase after and participate in the public objectification of women? Right now, absolutely. Does it look crazy to say, yes, I will go to church every week and I will serve and give my time and money and gifts to the advancement of the gospel that my, that my family doesn't understand or agree with? Yes. Does it look crazy to, to, deny, yourself, uh, to uh, deny yourself when your desire is conflicting the will of God? Does it look crazy to model your life based on an ancient text written thousands, of, all of this stuff looks crazy. But when Jesus cleanses you from your demons, nothing else makes more sense. After you've experienced what your life is prior to this Jesus interaction, when you live in that space afterwards, there's nothing that makes more logical sense than being right there with Jesus. One of the most like, it's, it's so subtle. After Jesus brings Lazarus back, from the dead. There's a line in there that, that says, well, Lazarus went to go reclined by Jesus, which is very subtle, but it's like, if I died and came back, I mean, maybe let me go explore. Let me go do the stuff that I didn't get to do before, because now, now that I see the man, life is so fragile. Let me go and, 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 and really like, like do me. But Lazarus was like, I was dead, and Jesus brought me back. Where would I go right now? other than sitting by Jesus' feet. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I'm going to go. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand what it means to have your life given back to you by this Jesus. This man, in his right mind, 
clothed with Christ, thought there was no better seat than, than, than the space by Jesus' feet. And I think all of us have to, again, ask ourselves this question. Is that how we treat proximity to Christ? That there's no, there's, there's, even if no one else gets it, because you understand the demons that were there before and how Jesus removed them, that the only appropriate response is to find where Jesus is and go there. In verse 36, those who had seen it told the people how the demon, uh, the demon possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the, the region of the Gerasians asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and left. Uh, the man from the, from the region had gone out to, and begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus' uh, response here is, is, is very clear. Go and tell people what God has done in your life. Now, this, this, this is what, what actually happened. Uh, God had removed a violent spirit from his body, multiple spirits from his body, seemingly clothed him, brought his sanity back, most likely reunited him with his family, gave him a future where he did not, be, uh, he did not need to be isolated from society, gave him a testimony that should sustain him for the rest of his life. And on top of that, as far as my understanding of what a missionary is, as in someone that, that Jesus says, go and tell the message of me, this becomes the first missionary in the gospel. Based on what? What special training did this man receive? What equipping was he given? What internship did he have to go through? What experience and spiritual maturity? What was his role in the church? None. Nothing. All he had was what God had done in his life. What gifts or abilities do I need to be an effective representative of the gospel? Wrong question. What has God done in your life? In my life, I was born to evangelist parents who were spreading the gospel all around the continent of Africa. Um, as a young child, I, I believed in God as much as young children that go, that go to church do. But then there was a point that I didn't. I just stopped. I thought the Bible was a joke and that Christians were blind followers that just needed something to believe in. I was involved in many unsafe relationships with unsafe people, unsafe behaviors, unsafe circumstances. I lied to my parents all the time. I lied so much that I couldn't have my friends from different circles ever in the same place because the person that I was in three different places was so wildly different that if they ever met, it would be just too much of a, of a, of a like an acting job to try and juggle three characters. So it, like it was, it was that, wild how different I was and God took me in my arrogant agnostic anti-gospel adolescence and gave me a relationship with him where the core of all of my beliefs are rooted directly in his word he took me an absolute mess and gave me a wife that loves me gave me three kids that take all of my money but I love them deeply <laughs> He gave me an incredible family. I, I, I genuinely love being around my in-laws, my siblings. He gave me, a, he gave me a, a family here in this church. And I think the thing that I probably feel the most often is I just, I don't feel, I don't feel stress. I just, I, 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 I know who I am. I know where my hope lies. And I don't have to pretend to be something at all, which is such a huge relief. The, the work of the lies that I had to maintain was exhausting. And now I just feel like God knows who I am, so I don't have to pretend to be someone else. And that's it. 
I bring this up not because I figured out any magic solution, but, but, but because I was a lost wallet dropped, uh, dropped carelessly in a parking lot. And God found me and filled me to the brim. And I think for, for some of us, we, we need reminding that that's what happened. Reminding of what God has done. But I think for some, you might have to just let God fill you for the first time. Just like, let God be enough. Let God be all that he promises uh, to be. He is willing and able. And my prayer is that wherever we find ourselves, we either re remember that we're filled by God or remember that he wants to fill us and allow him to do so. The very next day after I lost this wallet, so that was on a Saturday. On that Sunday, I walked into church on Sunday morning and this, um, this couple that I had just officiated their wedding uh, stopped me at the front I was like, hey, Stephen, um, thank you for officiating in our wedding. Um, here's just, you know, a, a little token of our, of our appreciation. And it was an envelope with a card and had a little bit of cash in it. It was nowhere near as much as I had lost the day before, but something, they didn't know what happened. They, they weren't in the parking lot, but it's, it, it felt like God watched the entire thing, looked at my attitude, like, and then rewarded my, like, like rewarded me for something that honestly, it could have just happened and then gone and the, the cash is gone forever. But something in that moment just felt like, oh, God is here and God is aware and God is, and even though the, 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 the actual dollar amount was less, it felt like it was multiplied tenfold. I just felt like, like, like God just gave me something and I think that is exactly what this man that was healed would have had to feel. That everything that someone else might, might, might take for granted, I mean, he, he gets to just be around people all of a sudden, and which, which I think for us might be, oh yeah, around people. But it just multiplied the gratitude. And I think for, for all of us who have had the, the, the blessing of being interrupted by Jesus, and had our lives refilled by him, we should treat everything tenfold gratitude, tenfold appreciation, tenfold humility, because we know what it's like to not have Jesus. We're gonna go about our busy weeks, busy schedules, busy lives, but let's, let's, let's try and carry ourselves like we've been carried by Christ. And as we take time, I'm, which I, I love, I love what you guys do here. It's, it's time to have, have family and food together. We have to remember what made this possible, that it was, it was, it was Jesus transforming our destiny, like re, restructuring the cosmos to, to, uh, to, 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 make, to make a relationship with us possible. And as we eat, as we celebrate, as we, as we have holiday season, let, let, let's remember that the reason that we have the ability to celebrate, period, it's because we were lost and then found and not just sent back, but we had our blessings multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Thank you guys for letting me share.